Excellence, the live digital show. I am your host, Taylor Alexis. I am so excited for this episode today. As y'all know, Pursue Excellence is a show that inspires people daily to think outside the box in hopes to expand their horizons while working towards personal growth, y'all. We will interview brands and businesses who are striving and pursuing excellence. We air live on Facebook and YouTube every second and fourth Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if y'all are ready for some knowledge that'll change your life, give you an experience, some inspiration, and some encouragement, this is the show for you. On today's show, we will have our special guest, Asia Field. And right after this commercial break, we will get into our interview. Diverse stories that tell what it means to be Black. They say the roots never lie and they keep the spirit intact. Narrating a culture that transcends the skies and the seas, capturing a lifestyle with too many shots for just one scene. This is Maurice Magazine. Welcome back to our live show. Make sure y'all support our commercials, our sponsors. We have Maurice Magazine and Aim to Be Tea. Check them out, y'all, and let us know what you think. And without further ado, I'll introduce our guest, Asia Field. Asia Field. Her two books, Workplace Shenanigans and A Career for Christmas, are available right now on Amazon, so you can purchase them there. And she's also a podcast host, the only female podcast host on Put It in the Air podcast, also known as Pentac. So let's welcome Asia to the show. Hi. Welcome, Asia. <laughs> Thank you, you so today? much for that warm welcome. I loved of it. Course. Thank you for being on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah. I'm really excited. Me too. Me too. And so we'll you just know, get right into it. Let's get right but can I start by talking about Maurice Magazine and how dope that was? Black lifestyle, black culture. I was here for all of that. I was like, wait, I need to yes. talk about that. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll hook you up after yes. the show, girl. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I aim to do it, be it, live it, embody it. You know, I thought it was just great. Yes. Black excellence. Yes. <laughs> So we'll get right into the interview, y'all, because we have a lot to cover. Asia is just so great, y'all. She is great. So first, tell us about your first book, Worst Place Shenanigans. So what is it about? I know it's a romantic comedy, but what is it about? 
So, you know, whenever I get asked this question, I love this question because it's like, have you ever had, you know, just that kind of workplace crush or just somebody at work that kind of gets you excited about showing up every day? Or maybe, you know, that you hate them and they don't get you excited about showing up every day. For me, it was really about writing about just experiences that I've witnessed in corporate America and, you know, the black woman experience, my experience and how that kind of transcended into what I like to call workplace shenanigans, which is really just, you know, office politics versus office romances. And I think they're all one in the same. And I think we're all competing in some way with office politics to um, endeavor in our careers. But I also think, you know, it's nice when, you know, a lot of people fall in love at work. You know, I, where I worked at a lot of couples ended up getting married, affairs. It was just all kind of drama. I was here for all of it. So I was here <laughs> you know, I'm at me. This is shady. You got the VP dating the SVP whose husband is, you know, comes every day. It was just shady. You got all kind of things happening. Yes. See, that's that's what makes me, and I know we were talking about this before, but I never really thought about dating anyone in the workplace. I always kept it separate. But honestly, after reading your books, I was like, okay. Maybe I'll find, you know, someone in the <laughs> You never know. <laughs> No. Well, I don't recommend it depending on the type of work that you do. Sometimes it can be very messy. So stay tuned for part two where we figure out just how messy that can be, um, you know, when it's when it's a different kind of office politics. I think they were on the same level. But as people start to ascend in their career, it gets very messy, very challenging. Mm -hmm. And so how have you so far dealt with office politics? Yeah. So, you know, office politics are really hard, very interesting. I think it's really important for you to understand the dynamics at work and really for you to understand where you are um, within your organization, how much power you have, what kind of influence you have. I think influence is really underrated because I don't think that you need to be in a high position to have influence, but you need to understand how your influence helps you um, either um ascend in your career or, you know, just where it places you in the office politics um, of your team. So uh, I think for me personally, office politics have played a huge role in me being able to move up. Um, you know, I've been able to gain sponsorship through different mentors um, who have definitely given me an opportunity to make strides in my career. So I'm always excited to, um, you know, meet, collaborate, and understand how my influence impacts um, the organization and impacts my team members and, uh, you know, essentially impacts my career. Mm hmm Exactly. And so... I mean, do you think the same, though? Do you think that, you know, that you understand, like, you know, how you fit into your organization? You know, are you the go-to person where people want to come and talk to you about ideas? Are you someone who shares ideas, who's confident and comfortable with speaking up? questioning issues and being able to articulate yourself and then also being able to ask someone like, hey, I love what you're doing. I would love to partner with you. I would love to know how you got here. You know, asking, you know, doing the ask for yourself, you know, making sure that when you step into a room, people know who you are. I think that was really important for me because early in my career, I was always the only black woman in the room. And so what I had to do was I was automatically recognized because I was the only black person, but I wasn't there to be a note taker. <laughs> so I was definitely there asking questions, pushing the envelope, 
um, you know, making my presence not known in a way that was combative, but making my presence known in a way that they understood that I was here to move up in my career and that, you know, I was clear on what I had to offer and what my value is. And so I think that that was very useful in people recognizing that um, they wanted to give me an opportunity because unfortunately, you know, the game of any organization, any company um, is, you know, someone gatekeepers, you understanding, meeting gatekeepers and being able to navigate them. That's essentially what it boils down to. Exactly. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it was the same way for me. I'm just thinking about now I'm in a place because I've been like with the same company for like six years now. So now mm -hmm. I'm in a place where, like you said, I'm confident enough to speak up. You know, say That's something right. in the room, even if I'm only the black person. But honestly, when I first started my job, and this is just part of my personality, too, but I like to observe. I like to see mm -hmm. what's going on. So purposely, I'll sit in the, you know, not sit in the back, yeah. actually, but literally just sit in the background and observe, see who's who, see what's going on. Who mm -hmm. can I go to for this? Who can I go to for that problem? So... I mean, you're right. You're right on. And it's a challenge, especially when you're, I'm lucky enough to that the team I'm working on now is very diverse and it wasn't like this when I first started. So now I, I just see what things that are going on in the world today, how at least my company, you know, they're trying to be more diverse and bring more people in and offer more opportunities too. So it's been a good experience. And I will say, They've done that before as well. This is, it wasn't just like a oh uh, a big you know culture shock you know after what has been going on in the world. Oh, sure. But I, we our project and our team has definitely gotten more diverse. You know, in yeah, the recent well, that's really really great that teams are becoming more you know diverse. But for me, you know, diversity is something that should have been in play a long time ago, right? They've always known our value and what we have to offer. You know, I think it's putting diversity to the side because it's always necessary, it really, again, boils down to the gatekeepers, right? So the people that I've met, you know, and the reason why I wrote Nicole, <laughs> and I'm always asked, like, are you Nicole? And I would just say that every character I write has to be some part of me or I couldn't write them authentically. But essentially what I will say about um, Nicole and just the character of being someone who is comfortable and confident and willing to speak up for themselves, it has not been received always well. Um, in corporate America, because what gatekeepers tend to do is they get to decide, right? And everything is subjective. There is no way. So if you've read the book, then you understand that, you know, um, the main character who is Nicole has, you know, an adversary who is Linda, um, generally someone, you know, who is a manager, someone above you that can essentially dictate your career. And so I really wanted to showcase how that happens and how that works, right? Someone wants to say that you have to be ready for this opportunity. Who gets to decide if you're ready for this? Who decided if they were ready for that opportunity? Like what project do you need to have? You know, what experience do you need mm -hmm. to have? Because I'll see some people come in to the organization who have no experience at all, right? They'll be coming from the military or they'll be coming from, you know, they'll be, they'll been an English major or something that's just like, it has nothing to do with the scope in which we're working on. And they'll essentially be able to just get an opportunity. And so that's to me, like what I think about when I say that like diversity is one part of it, but then the other part of it, if we take it out of like diverse perspective and, you know, even if you had all black people in the room, you get to decide and it's not going to be the best candidate. It's 
all about relationships. And I think that that's what we have to start talking about. We have to start talking about what are these relationships? How do you get these relationships? Because that's how you get opportunities. Exactly. That's when somebody sees something in you from having a conversation with you, from being around you, from them saying, oh, I like you. I've gotten opportunities because somebody liked me. Right. Like and then um, just recently, the job that I wanted, I was really excited about it. I was in fifth round of interviews. Every interview I do now is always a panel interview, which is like super irritating to me because I never know why they need six people in a room to team up on you. Right. So, OK, you want to see if pressure, no problem. We're going to go there. We're going to do that. But essentially it boiled down to, she didn't think that I was the right personality fit. Um, when I questioned her about the challenges she was having in her organization. Right. So I was like, what are you doing now to fix these? Like, as I'm coming on board as a new member of your team, I'd like to know how you plan to develop X, Y, and Z, how you plan to fix this. These are the challenges you're experiencing. So what processes have you put in place to mitigate these issues? And so what I find is that people want to be on the interviewing side. They don't want to be a part of the solution. And I think that that's always key too when you start to think about your career and career building, and you're going to see more of that. In my next book, I'm working on another book called Token, which I really um, am super, super excited about this book. Not that you asked me about that project yet, but it's definitely mm -hmm. in the works. Um, and just and, and it'll it'll have a lot more of like those scenarios um, based inside of it, right? So when you when they pick you to be the token in the room for whatever reason, and then as you try to you know. Um, grow within that organization as a token. You know, tokens are generally picked to be there and be quiet for the diversity aspect of it, but you're not really there to display excellence. So I think that, you know, I want to talk a lot about, you know, the experiences I've had being a token. And, um, you know, I hope that people can relate. Like, I'm really writing it from, you know, my perspective, but I'm hoping that I'm showing the Black experience and that people will be able to relate to my experience, you know, that they've had in corporate America. So... Yeah. Yes, I'm excited for Token. I am thank you, y'all. I read. I read Workplace Shenanigans. That's Ava's first book in three days. I could not put it down. And then I read her, her second book, A Career for Christmas, in about three days. I know. I think it was five because I didn't read it. Like I thank you so much. They were so, so good. <laughs> yes, yeah. they were interesting. Like, and they kept you intrigued. And I could relate, I will say, like you were saying, to some parts of Nicole. So with that mm -hmm. being said, what is your, from, and Nicole, for everyone's awareness, that's the main character in Workplace Shenanigans. So what is your favorite, I, want, I don't even want to say chapter, what's your favorite scenario or situation with Nicole in Workplace Shenanigans? I mean, that's really hard to ask because there were so many. Um, but if I had to say one, it would be like the last scene at the end of the book um, where she's being vulnerable and she pitches Chris on being his girlfriend. Because I think that, you know, a lot of times um, black women, women in general, we are not able to show our vulnerability because we're always fighting, right? We're fighting to get our voices heard. And then once we get our voices heard, we're fighting to get the right resources. And then when we get the right resources, we're fighting to get on the projects that we want, right? So we're always constantly in this battle of, you know, just trying to, you know, um, 
be recognized. And so when Nicole is, you know, recognized, promoted, moved up, and she finally gets a chance to express her vulnerability, and she does it by pitching herself on being his girlfriend after she just drove him crazy <laughs> for the last you know, couple of months while they were competing for the same position. Um, I just thought that that was great because I wanted to show the balance of we're still women, right? Like in the humanity of like not these, you know, aggressive man-eating people that, you know, we could be described as, you know, I mean, I won't use the word that they actually use to describe us in the workplace when they talk about a woman who's ambitious. I think we all know what that word might be, but that there's always two sides, right? And so um, I always, I'm, you know, the the quite the same in that way. And, you know, in a relationship, I just love the idea of showing that vulnerability and showing that, you know, she's still a woman who wants to be loved and who, who's soft and who's like kind and who like likes this guy. And it's like, okay, so now that we've gotten all the business out the way, like, let's get to the personal. So I was here for that. <laughs> yes, I'm here for a lover and a fighter. And you're right, because yes. we're fighting and if you're fighting in your nine to five or in your day job or in your main job, whatever you want to call it, that's more mm -hmm. than half the half the day that you're up, that you're yeah. in battle with people or with situations. And like you said, sometimes we don't have that moment where we can take a step back, be vulnerable and realize, no, I like this person or no, I'm at mm -hmm. home now. You know, let me yes. take no one's trying to fight me here. You know, like I'm right. in a safe place. Um, so that was good. Yes. Yeah, and there's not a lot of places you get to be safe, right? Because then when you get home, if you have children, if you have a family or if you're, you know, if you have any like side businesses or whatever, like you're still right back on. It's like right back on, you know, so it's nice when you have a man that can kind of just come and bring you all the way back down. So you don't have to like be so strong in that moment. Right. So yeah. exactly. And help out, you know, be there to help. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Show up and do something like, oh, thank you. There was food for me. I appreciate that. Like, yes. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So, when did you first figure out or realize that, wow, I'm an author, like, I'm a writer? You know, it's so funny because I was just talking um, to one of my friends about this the other day. And he was like, my second book officially makes me an author, right? It's not the first one. The first one, people are like, oh, what are you going to put out? Like, is it going to be good? You know, I'm sure a lot of people just read my book to see if it was good, right? Like, they wanted to see what I had to say, if it was going to be enjoyable or not, whether I could put something together. You know, it's always your haters first that, you know, congratulates you on really, you know, launch your career. So when I put the second book out, A Career for Christmas, he was like, and he read it, he was like, yeah, so now you're officially an author. Right, <laughs> so I guess <laughs> Christmas officially makes me author. So yes, yay! I'm so excited, y'all. I mean, these books are just so good, and I told Asia too. Like, I am ready for sequels. I'm ready for more books. <laughs> I'm ready to see this on screen. Like this, these are good, y'all. But we'll get back into the interview right after this commercial break. Save 10% on your entire purchase at thelipbar.com using code TaylorAlexis at checkout. Now, we all know 
There ain't nothing strange about saving a little bit of change. So save 10% off at thelipbar.com, T-H-E-L-I-P-B-A-R.com by using code TaylorAlexis, T-A-Y-L-E-R-A-L-E-X-I-S at checkout. Happy shopping! Welcome back to our live show, everyone. We have our guest, Asia Field, author of Workplace Shenanigans and a Career for Christmas. We are in the second half of the interview, so we'll just continue on. So, Asia, what motivates you to write? What's your safe space? Um, so I won't say it's like a safe space, but I think what motivates me to write in general is because I love the idea of chronicling my life. Um, the, some of the trials and tribulations that I've been through, I think that, you know, you know, in terms of like my legacy, my son, who is like everything to me, so amazing. Um, I want him to be able to go back and, and read it and look at it and share it forever and ever and ever. These books will be around for my children, my grandchildren, you know, my, you know, my entire legacy, right? Um, for years and years to come, people will be able to go back and look at it. Also, I really wanted to build something for him and I wanted him to see that like, not only did I, you know, work and have this career, but there was this other side to me that I hope he signs that I was very, very passionate about. And I want to inspire him to be passionate about things that he's interested in and he desires to do, you know, because sometimes we can be scared away from sharing um, who we are with the world. And, you know, I never want him to be afraid. Like I didn't want fear to be a reason why I didn't do anything. And so for me, that's the way I live my life, right? Like I'm not really here for anybody else. Like I'm here for me and you can like enjoy this opportunity with me. And so, um, you know, whenever I take on a new challenge, which every, you know, career opportunity I had thus far has been a huge challenge for me. Um, because I never know whether I can or I can't do something until I try it and then I either do well or I fail and then do well the second time. You know, I want him to have those same goals and, and dreams and I and I want him to see that his mom has done it and so that he feels confident that he can do it. So that's my everyday passion. I get up and because I'm telling you, before my son, I wasn't doing anything. Like I was partying, chilling, you know, and then when Chase came, it was just like, no, 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 no. Like this is not what we are passing down. <laughs> to our children um, to aspire to do or to aspire to be. Um, I want him to be very articulate himself. You know, I wouldn't say that I'm the most well-spoken person, but I am very passionate about the information that I share. I've thought about it. I've thought through it. You know, if I've tried something, whether it was right, wrong, or indifferent, I owned it. I'm very accountable for all my actions, you know, and I just want him to have the same feelings and, you know, to do the same things. And, you know, I just want to inspire anybody who is, you know, out here that has a story. I think all of our stories are important and that they need to be told. Mm -hmm. And I think being an author was one way that I could share that. I would love to see my movies on the big screen. Um, I started out first with script writing. I came up with the idea in 2015 and there were so many people. I definitely got to shout out all my work family, um, you know, Sam, Kel, Cedric, who were there with me, my sisters, my brothers, my sister Tiffany, first of all, you know, who read every single thing that I wrote when I started writing it. And then all my other siblings too, you know what I'm saying? So Naya, Richie, Janae, Sanj, Sharif, Kiki, Kyle, Latrell, like all of my siblings, <laughs> like everything. And my mama, she's like, girl, like, you know, 
<laughs> so, I mean, just so supportive of everything that I do and having like just that support of my family. I don't know if everyone has that. Like, you know, um, so I would just say that I just come from a strong background of, of people um, who just really care about me and, you know, who are also amazing in their own right. And so all of those people pour into me. And, you know, so it's just like when I do it, I'm doing it for all of us. Right. So they may not be, you know, authors in their own right, but, you know, they're out here creating legacies right alongside of me. And so, like, I feel like we're collaborating and creating legacies together and they make me passionate to keep, you know, moving forward. And they're, you know, always right here supporting me. So, yeah. Yes. Amen. Shout out to family. Yes. (laughs) Friends who look, you know, so we got to shout them out. Exactly. Shout out to those family friends, too. (laughs) Yeah. But also, okay, so I'm just thinking, honestly, I want to ask you so much. But first, so have you endured any challenges while Um, creating the books, whether publishing or writing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I won't talk about the publishing challenges because I'm self-published, which just means I had to learn the entire publishing track. I mean, if you bought any of my books, it's obvious that I'm a novice writer, right? I I hope to, I aspire to get better with each book that comes out um, so um, that they look um, and feel more like novels that, and so they have a better, people have a better experience with it. So I'm definitely going to work on that, you know, um, in the future. Um, Being self-published was an experience. Like I said, I'd never done it before. So it was a whole new challenge. Writing the book was a whole new challenge. Um, uh, Shout out to um, my editor who is amazing. I usually just send her a block of crap. Like I'll send her, you know, a hundred pages or something that she turns into what you see. So that's amazing. And then, um, you know, on the first book, I actually worked with a design artist who did the cover art for the first one. But the second one, I was so like it was just like the time was just like uh I could Christmas was just coming so quickly the book needed to get out before Christmas. Um everyone who I wanted to work with wasn't available, so I had to create that myself. <laughs> and so that was a huge challenge because like the cover, I kind of wanted a whole different concept for it. And then, you know, um, you know what I, what I will say about working in corporate America that I think is like a great experience and opportunity for everyone is that you know you put something out to market and then you can improve on it later, right? So it was like, do I put it out for market or do I hold it a whole nother year so I could release it at Christmas? I was like, no, nah, I'm putting this out. Like, we putting it out as is. I'll get feedback on it. We'll do better next time. I don't know my publishing rights. Whatever I make off the book is mine. As it blows up, it'll still be mine. And I will grow and get better. And so that was really like my goal. So challenges, 100 challenges. It was just like, was it good enough? You know, um, um, I'm always, you know, wondering whether how people are going to receive the content. Um, so, you know, collaborating with people to get a good product out is always hard, you know, getting beta readers to sign on and, and read it and give you feedback, you know, shout out to all of my beta readers from um, workplace shenanigans and um, a career for Christmas, because it really takes a lot to reach out to people and get their feedback and get input on them so that you can make things clearer. So there, whenever you're creating anything, there are a lot of collaboration points. And so I just think that that was a challenge. Anything you try new um, is a challenge. And so now I'm a veteran. So hopefully the next book is going to be even more amazing than the first two. That's the goal. Yes. So how did you deal, if you had any, with criticism? 
with your first two books? Um, so I, I mean, I've, I've gotten, um, so, you know, I like to, I've gotten more, um, likes than I have criticism, but I will just say like the criticisms that I got was just like not having page numbers in the first book. Right. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. It's just like, you know, where your team at, you know, I'm the team. Like you see it to my right, to my left, like I'm the team. So next time I'm going to make sure that, so the second one got page numbers, but I think it only got the right side number of page. Like, I don't even know. I can't tell you. So um, I take it all in good fun. Like I love everybody's feedback, good, bad, and indifferent. It just helps me grow as a writer. It means that I'm building my audience. It means that people are interested. If somebody took the time to give you feedback, then they had to invest time into whatever project you're working on. So it's just like, and then for the people who pour into me with love and support, like, oh, I loved it, or I could relate to that experience, or I like what you're doing. It just makes me so excited and so happy just to kind of be able to inspire them the way that I'm inspired, you know, by, by people all the time. So that was really exciting for me. So all feedback is welcome. Let me give it to me. I want to hear all of it. Help me get better. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. And once you buy it on Amazon, you can either we'll um, have Asia's contact info at the end of the show, so you can contact her, or just leave a review on Amazon. Write a review. I don't. I'm, I mean, good, bad, different. I want all reviews on Amazon. Like I don't want to. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Like where, wherever I want people to see the journey because. I'm, I believe in being so authentic in my journey that it will hurt some people's feelings, right? Like I have nothing like, like my experience is going to be, you know, I'm open to sharing, you know, my experience because I think that it's important for people to see how you've grown because I think a lot of people, you see them glow up, right? And it's just like, oh, like, you know, like how did Beyonce become Beyonce, right? Like how did whoever become whomever? And you think that it happened overnight. And though you see the videos of them, you know, um, um, practicing as young kids and being on different shows that led to the start of their career, you don't really understand that it was really about believing in yourself and taking a chance. And I used to think that was so cliche. Like, ah, oh, I hate when people say that shit. Like, believing in yourself because I've had these ideas for a while and it was something that I wanted to do for a while. But then when I was working and my son was a lot younger, he's a lot older now. So it was just like, I just didn't know where I was going to find the time or the energy for it and then dating different guys. And it was just like, Oh, when am I going to get to this? And so it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was going to happen for me. Right. And so I was just like, okay, like these are just ideas that we talk about. And then as my son got a little bit older and I found more time, I created the time. You know, so then I had to really find opportunities and jobs that gave me um, time to pursue my my career, my true passion and career endeavors. And so I think that that's very important. Right. So maybe salary wasn't as important to me anymore. Maybe what was more important is the work life balance. Right. I needed to be able to be to, to have a defined schedule. I was no longer trying to figure out how to climb a corporate ladder or who I needed to be talking to or what happy hour I needed to be at or what meeting I needed to be attached to or what I needed to volunteer for. Now I was like, no, miss me on all of that. And I'm going to be putting all of this time and energy into, you know, what do, what did I want my brand to look like? What did I want to talk about? What kind of voice did I want to have um, in this large space of people sharing about some of their career hacks, you know? So mm -hmm. I just, for me, that 
really important. And then once I figured it out, put the book out, I was like, boom. Then I had another idea for the second book, then the third book. And I was like, oh, I got content all day. These people are crazy. And I've been working here for a while. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, too. When they read these books, they're going to know exactly who they are or whatever, right? So Bradley, so if you look into, I mean, Bentley and uh, A Career for Christmas, he knows who he is. Everybody knows what position they play. And it's just like, sometimes I think it's really great um, to, for people to see that because I don't think that people have that insight into themselves. I don't know that a lot of people do that feedback and that work and they realize that, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to, privilege to me is, you know, there's white privilege and then there's privilege, right? And so everybody has um, been given some type of privilege and, you know, I don't think privilege is always bad. You know, I think sometimes privilege is good. Sometimes you worked hard for that privilege. Sometimes you didn't, whatever. You got it. You just better make sure you use it. And so, you know, when you check out a career for Christmas, you know, um, there were, that story was very personal um, for me. And I loved it so much because I, besides the romance, because they're all romantic comedies, you know, I'm trying to sell that to Hallmark, holla at Hallmark. Anybody who's ready, you know, somebody at Hallmark, I think they're going to love it. They need way more black films. If you've ever watched Hallmark, where do you see black people on there? And, you know, so I kept that in mind. So if it's a little cheesy, just know that that's why it's that cheesy. But I'm here for all of that cheesy love. So I was okay with it. Um, but, you know, the scenario there, what was really important is the main character, Amika Harris, you know, what she really is aspiring to do is she has this warm, very heartfelt, we made it a Christmas, you know, personality just for the sake of Christmas, but just essentially thinking about someone who's new and they're excited, you know, to be a part of an organization or to start a new project or to work on something and people just being cutthroat, right? And she has to figure out how to navigate these politics of working, you know, with these vultures and, you know, she got to step her game up. And by the end of the story, she absolutely does. She got to put her manager in check. She got to put the director in check. She got to put a colleague in check and she got to put her man in check. Everybody got to get in check at that point. So, <laughs> so, 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 you know, um, I think chapter 11 was my favorite chapter in A Career for Christmas. Um, in that chapter, Amika really got put in her place. And I think that that was important, right? Because I think that she needed that feedback in order to grow, right? She needed to understand, like, what she was here for, right? You're not here to be nice. You're not here to please people. You're here to get a job done. So if you're not getting a job done, then we're going to, you know, essentially her job was on the line. And she had to figure out, you know, what kind of person she wanted to be and still maintain her integrity, and so I think that that's really hard. Um, and working in corporate America, or sometimes just, you know, um, being yourself with in the age of social media and just in this age, like what does integrity mean to you? And I think that Amika does a really good job at owning that integrity while still making sure that she finishes on top at the end. And I think that's just, you know, representative of what I try to do in my life. And so, um, of course, like all my characters are representative of me. And so I think you're going to love, you know, um, a career for Christmas and how she gets her career popping and her relationship popping. And I'm all about black love. So you are always going to see a relationship popping in there at the end, because I don't believe in women climbing the corporate ladder or making it to any level of success without having a successful relationship. Um, I think those are all very important and they go hand in hand. And I don't think that it's one against the other. Um, I think it's how we learn how to communicate with each other and form that balance. And I think sometimes what people would like to see or, or a slogan that I see too often is all these successful black women with no man 
school, we're going to stop that narrative real quick. If I have anything to do about it in my writing, if I have anything to do about it in, you know, how um, I share and show up in the space of like being an author and just sharing my content. So yes, I'm here for um, Black excellence, Black relationships, Black love. I'm here for all of that. Yes. Yeah, your both of your books, Workplace Shenanigan and A Career for Christmas, they give the world hope, just like you said, with being successful and still being able to find true love. And like you said, that's one thing the world tries to put against each other. Oh, you got to be, in order to be successful, you can't find a good man or a good man doesn't want this type of woman. These are just things mm-hmm. that people write out and put on the internet. You know, it's just all people all talk, and it's not true. Exactly what you're saying. I'm with you on that one. Amika was my girl. Yes, I was here for Amika. Like, and so you know, the one thing that I was kind of upset about that I did, but I already named made her name Nicole Miller after I thought about. It, I don't even know why. I, that was a criticism. I like, why is her name Nicole Miller? And I was like, oh, don't worry about that. Every book after this is going to be. You're not gonna. It is not gonna be a thought about whether she's black or not. Like, let's be clear. Like, right. it's gonna be the names moving forward are going to be black names. We have all kind of Keisha. All, all, everything is going to be in every book moving forward because I don't want people to mistake anything for what the what I meant to say. And it was just like, um, you know, and I think that um, strong characters and strong woman characters are very important because I think there are a lot of strong women. I come from, you know, just a line of strong women. And so it's all that I know. Right. Speaking my mind, you know, um, Um, being clear on how I feel about things and being clear on, you know, what I want. And to some people that that's intimidating, right? But it's not intimidating because I, um, as a woman, am intimidating to them. It's because they don't know what they want and they haven't figured out what they want. And so that's how I've learned how not to internalize, you know, um, what people would call um, strong women, and or whatever other word they use to describe strong women. And working with strong women is hard. Oh, I'm going to have a book about that because I have to. (laughs) When you get too many strong women in a room, we're going to have to have a different conversation. Like, are we all trying to talk? We all have ideas. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, we all um, want to be the boss. Yeah. Y'all that's right. Every, every every black yeah. woman I know is the goddamn boss. So it's like, <laughs> you know, what did, what did Beyonce say? Bow down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, only one person is running this train at a time. And so, what I think that um, in my next book, I'm really going to try to tackle um, that theme as well in Token because I think that it's so important that, like, so when you are the Token, right, she is going to be replaced by another Token because it, you can, you know, um, run your course, right? So I just remember being at in corporate America and I cut off all my hair and I decided to go natural. Mm-hmm. They did not like that shit. They did not take well to the natural, <laughs> to the natural hair. Like I was in there, like natural hair, voice of my opinion. I had a question for every answer. It was just like I read every single thing that they they put out, and I knew it backwards and forwards, just so that they were aware that I knew what I was talking about, right? And so when you show up in that way, I was showing up to be aggressive, right? Because they had just hired somebody who I felt like 
didn't deserve the opportunity and you want me to train them, I'm not teaching them shit. But here's what I am going to do. At every opportunity I get, I'm going to show that, you know, um, this is who you hired and Mm -hmm. they make more than me. And so therefore, I'm not helping them do anything. But we're going to hold them accountable to being the leader that you hired, right? And the leader that they're supposed Mm -hmm. to be. So I can tell you that in my career, there have been a lot of challenges for taking that approach. Um, right. Um, to my work experience, and I'm sure like you may have a similar experience, but you know, when they hire another black woman, right, because they weren't hiring any black men, let me be clear. So when they do hire another black woman, you know, it almost hurts me because sometimes it's like they bring them in so that they can phase you out, right? Because they're going to come in, they're going to be nice. They're doing whatever they need to do to get this opportunity and they should, right? And it's just like, so they pit, they, they pit us against each other. And so, you know, the great thing that I have to say is that, you know, she and I were able to build a wonderful relationship, you know, in spite of what they were trying to do, um, you know, as, but of course I was eventually phased out and moved on in new opportunities. And I think that that is just, you know, the nature of, you know, working, you know, in a society where you have gatekeepers get to decide who gets opportunities. But yeah, that's all for the next book. That'll all be in token. I'm so excited for that project. I'm talking about it, but it's, oh my God, it's all in my head. Got to get it out the head. Yeah. You know, it's all, when you read it, you're going to be, and you listen to this interview, you're going to be like, oh, that's when that happened. You're going to know about like, yeah. all the, like, the gems that I dropped about, you know, the inspiration. Um, for for the dialogue and some of the content in that book. Right. I'm excited for Token to come out. I'm going to be staying tuned. Let us know. We'll let our viewers know on the show to thank, get your next thank book, you. Token. Again, y'all, our book of the month for February is Workplace Shenanigans by Aja mm-hmm. Phil. Again, Workplace Shenanigans and A Career for Christmas are both available on Amazon. It got two-day shipping. Y'all can go right now. To, well, not right now. Finish watching the show. But after the show, <laughs> go ahead on Amazon. Can we talk a little bit about, about Pursue Excellence and how amazing this is that you are giving us a platform and an opportunity to talk about who we are and showcase, you know, not only just our businesses, but, you know, to give people insight into who we are as people and how we created and develop the talents that we're out here doing. Like you're out here creating excellence while we're pursuing excellence together. Like this is amazing. Can we give you your flowers? Like I'm absolutely Yes, thank you. I'm trying to on that note exactly what Aja said. Pursue excellence. We're a show, y'all. We are supporting small brands, small businesses. Just because you make it big or you are big or you're not, you know, big enough to be in maybe Target or in the bookstores yet. That's what this show is for. We're here to help you get your brand out to the people, get your business out to the people. Thank you, Asia, so, so much for coming on this show. We appreciate it, all the gems you dropped. You'll be back on the show because definitely after talking <laughs> and then after your next book and after your film, you will be back. You dropped some Thank videos. you so much. Thank I you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for coming on. So let's give Asia another round of applause. Yay! The pin tap 
podcast as the only female host. And go support. Hold on, can we talk about that for a second? Because I definitely got to show a little bit of love before we end the show to my two co-hosts um, who brought me on and gave me an opportunity not only to just express myself, but to collaborate with them. They created this great brand. So um, it's George D and um, Tony Sess. Like, they are amazing, super funny, super hilarious. Um, definitely definitely catch us we're talking all things that are you know put it in the air grown sexy relationships pop culture and you know they really created something that was amazing and so when they gave me the opportunity to be a part of it again i was nervous i was like oh, i've never done a podcast before but i know how to talk i run my mouth a lot as you can see so i thought it would be a good fit but i wasn't really sure and you know whenever you bring someone on into um, a team that's already working so well it was unclear like how that was going to work, um, but they embraced me. They they really just gave me an opportunity to grow. I think we created something and we're building something amazing. But more importantly, they already started building something amazing. They have been there for a couple of years. The brand is just incredible. They're both incredible speakers. They're both um, incredible thinkers. So you should definitely follow them at it's George D and at BT um, underscore SES for um, Tone Sess and you know follow the podcast like we're. We're really looking to grow the podcast a lot more this year um, and to do a lot with it. So I'm really excited about where we're going. So if you ever just feel like hanging out with your friends, because that's what it feels like. Like when we get together, we're just like definitely cutting up. Like that's time for ratchetness. Like, you know, black excellence is always a what we do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, like, I mean, you know, you, you, you know, I'm classy, bougie, ratchet. Like, is that what yep. you said? All then you already know because to me those embody who we are and i think of bougie classy ratchet all as terms of endearment right so um mm -hmm. for me i mean i think they've tried to really associate a negative connotation with being ratchet like oh she's ratchet like no boo, i am ratchet like don't get it twisted but however on the other side of that like we are always classy even the woman who's being ratchet is always classy in her approach because somebody did something to bring her to that point so let's not forget the trigger people always like to forget the triggers they only want to talk about the concern or the issue or the ratchetness so just remember you know what brought out that ratchetness or whatever so i'm here for all the ratchetness i'm here for all the sassiness i'm here for all of the excellence and so i think that our show really is about um embodies all of all those key elements and i would right. definitely Definitely love for you to check us out. And um, like I said, the guys are great. The show is great. And um, we're really excited about bringing a product that people like. And so hopefully you'll tune in and you'll follow and you'll give us feedback and um, you will really enjoy the content. Yay. Yes. So make sure, again, like Aja said, y'all listen to Pintap, P-I-N-T-A-P. Put it in the air, y'all. Put it yes. in the air. Podcast. And again, Aja, where can people connect with you on social media? Okay, so you can find me at afield1823 on Instagram. Okay, oh, so perfect. Up on the screen, we have Aja's yes. Instagram handle. Make sure you follow her to stay tuned for all her upcoming projects. She, as she said, her next book, Token, will be coming out soon, y'all. You'll also be able to see all the reviews people left her for her first two books and the reviews from the podcast. So let's give it up one more time for Asia, y'all. Thank you so much. Yay! Thank you for coming on the show. And with that, 
we'll get into our good news. Y'all know we always end the show with good news. And so today's good news goes out to LaVonda Wright, y'all. With God, she was able to bless a child with a car. He was walking eight miles daily from, he was walking from school and to work and then from work back home and he was walking for hours. She saw him walking, gave him a ride and told him in bold faith that the next time she would see him, it would be with a car and that God was going to bless him with it. So LaVonda states that the glory all belongs to God. This was all God's plan. God showing his love, his power, and ability to drop miracles during the pandemic. Amen, sister. Give it up to God, y'all. Let's give it up to LaVonda. Amen. And with that, you can follow LaVonda on Instagram as well. And so... If you, um, I think it's LaVonda, right? Yeah, Myers is up on the screen. So feel free to follow her. She has, I saw a couple acts of kindness that LaVonda has participated in. So please make sure y'all follow her and be an encouragement. And so with that, it is a wrap for today, y'all. Thank you all for joining our live show. Next up, our next episode on March 10th. We will have special guest Eunice Kofi, who is the owner, founder, and lead chemist of the skincare line Nuki. So we'll learn more about her journey and her company on March 10th, our next live episode. And that's it, y'all. It's a wrap. I'll talk to y'all again on our next episode. Peace, love, and blessings.